Well, welcome everyone and good morning. Uh, we're so glad each of you could come. I just want to say that we appreciate your coming. It strengthens you, it strengthens the church, it encourages all of us, uh, your presence here. So thank you. I know it took something for you to, to be here this morning, a sacrifice of some kind. So I thank you for making that. Uh, we're going to uh, start with a time of prayer. So uh, let us go, let us go to God. Father, some of us have been looking forward to this all week. You have been so good to us. We have hardly been able to wait to come to share our gratitude and give our thanks and bring our offering. Uh, Father, some of us are taken quite by surprise. We woke up, oh my goodness, it's Sunday. Lord, we realize we haven't thought about you much this week. We've been worried, we've been distracted, we've just been busy. But Lord, however we came to you, anticipating or, or suddenly, uh, we are here now. We are here all together. And we want to bring you our praise. And we want to bring you our gratitude. And we want to hear from your word. We come now, Lord, all hearts open to you and what you will do. Teach us, Lord. We are now ready. We are now ready to hear from you. In the name of Christ, we pray. Oh, man. This Wednesday is Veterans Day. Uh, Veterans Day was started shortly after World War I as Armistice Day to commemorate the end of, of one of the most tragic global wars that ever happened. Uh, in 1954, uh, we reshaped Armistice Day in this country into Veterans Day, a national holiday to uh, celebrate the sacrifice and the service of veterans of the U.S. Armed Forces. So at this time, I'd like to ask if we have any veterans of the U.S. Armed Forces present here, if you would stand that we could uh, thank you for your sacrifice and for your service. If you'd stand for just a moment. Appreciate that. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you. Thank you. Let us join together in a prayer for uh, those serving who could not be here this morning because they are serving this morning and also for their families. Let us pray together. Almighty God, we commend to your gracious care and keeping all the men and women of our armed forces at home and abroad. Defend them by day with your heavenly grace. Strengthen them in their trials and temptations. Give them courage to face the perils which beset them and grant them a sense of your abiding presence wherever they may be. Grant these things also to their families who serve also, Lord, and sacrifice also. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Uh, this is a time in the service when we like to uh, bring our confessions before God. So this week, well, we're going to do it a little different. Uh, uh, we're going to spend some time in silence, and uh, we're going to focus on our distraction and our discouragement. During this time, I'd like you to think of the things that you used to do for God, and you don't do them anymore. And the things you used to feel about being involved in the work of God, and you don't feel it anymore. The people that you used to pray for and have hope for and you don't pray for them or have hope for them anymore. Maybe it's because you got discouraged. Maybe it's because you got distracted. Maybe it's because you got smacked for it, you know. You were trying to do a good thing and it just turned out really badly. And now you, 
You just don't see the point anymore. We want to spend some time in, the, in, in here bringing those things back before the Lord. What I used to do, what I used to feel, who I used to hope for. Lord, what happened to me? How did I become so distracted and so discouraged and so hurt that I don't anymore? And we'll bring these things in before God. The worship team is going to help us out. Uh, I'm going to ask Chris to lean into the Spirit here and discern when this has been enough time. Maybe the Spirit will say we're done in 45 seconds. Maybe it'll take a while. And you know, if, if that's the case, when I get up to preach, I'll just talk faster. So, um, but uh, let's go before the Lord and, and let's bring these things before Him. Remember where we've been and confess where we are. Let us enter into silence with our God. Amen. Please be seated. I graduated from Avila College, now Avila University, back in the 90s. Any other avalanches here? Oh, yeah, I know, honey. That's where I met you. <laughs> is, is, there, is there no one else? Is it that small of a school? Oh, shucks. All right, well, go avalanche. All right. Well, uh, at that time in my life, uh, I... God was coming into my life in a big way. And I was so excited about faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, I began to meet other people on the campus who were having the same experience, excited about the Lord and what he was doing. And so we started having a Bible study, an interfaith Bible study, because Avila is a Catholic school. So we had an interfaith Bible study there um, at the, uh, in, the, in the student union. I think it was on Wednesday nights. Anyways, it, it, we, we were there together. Um, we were just girlfriend and boyfriend. <laughs> Anyways, it was, I promised her no stories about her today, but it's kind of turning into that. So we, uh, yeah, it was quite well attended, actually. In fact, this Bible study was so interfaith that we had witches at our Bible study. Yes, that's right. I said witches, followers of Wicca. So there we'd be. Now, why would witches come to a Christian Bible study? Well, I think uh, they were attracted to spiritual people seeking after spiritual things. And that's how they, they saw themselves. So they thought, well, we fit in here. We're all spiritual people looking for spiritual things. Now, when you would go over a Bible passage and the witches would share what they thought about it, you know, and how they connected it to gods and goddesses and the ancients and the occult and stuff, you, you know, all the other Christians in the group would just kind of stare in wide-eyed horror. Like, is, is this really happening right now? And, uh, but ever since I was a little kid, I have loved mythology. I don't know why. Probably it was because of the movie Clash of the Titans. So, oh, uh, yeah. Okay. So I loved, I, I read all the Greek mythology, uh, Norse mythology, Egyptian mythology. I love that stuff. I cleared out the junior high library over there at Pleasant Lee Junior High, now middle school, of the mythology books. You know, love that stuff. Don't know why. No one in my family knew why either. My, my grandpa on my mom's side once said, why are you wasting so much time and all this mythology stuff? It's never going to earn you a single dollar. He said, why don't you study math? So math was great, but I loved, I loved mythology. And I'll admit it didn't do a lot for me until this Bible study. And so as these girls would share, then, you know, I could make connections between what they were saying. I knew what they were talking about. I could say, oh, yes, but what about the story of, you know, Odysseus? And, and I could bring it all in and help them. I, we, we did comparison and we did contrast between what they believed and what I believed to be the true God of creation revealed in Christ Jesus. So 
I had something to say. A lot of times the Christians afterwards say, boy, I'm glad you had something to say. I just thought that was weird. So someday I'm threatening to write a book that everything I needed to know to share Jesus with the pagan world, I learned from playing Dungeons and Dragons. So um, how to end your ministry career in one publication. So anyways, uh, so yeah, I love this stuff. And we were sharing. So anyways, we were talking with... Um, we were talking, so one day I was in the computer lab and we, I was having a really lively debate with one of, these, one of these Wiccans, right? And I was trying to get her to answer this question plainly. Can you cast a magic spell or not? She was very, very slippery about this whole thing. So we got quite heated. And the next day I went to the computer lab and logged on and a screen pops up. You have been barred from the campus computer system for religiously inflammatory speech. See the dean of students immediately. I thought, what happened? After all this time, did she get offended and report me? And now I'm going in for to see the dean? No. As it turns out, someone else in the computer that lab that day had been offended by our discussion. And on her behalf, reported, not her, me. So now I'm going to see the dean of students. This is how it goes in Christianity sometimes. You try to do the right thing and you get smacked for it. Um, our scriptures say, always be ready to share the reason for the hope that you have in Christ Jesus with gentleness and respect. And I tried to do that, and I'm on my way to visit the dean. This is how it goes sometimes in Christianity. You try to do the right thing. Um, You try to help somebody on the side of the road. So here's a my story that came in. The person who sent this in did not want to stand up here and give this. But I had asked you to send you, email me your stories of how you see God working in your everyday life. And please keep emailing them. So here's one. Last week, driving back from work, uh, picking up lunch, there was an older gentleman broken down on the side of the road. At first, I drove by. Then there was God's voice. Clearly, I heard, you need to turn around. So even though I don't know much about how to fix a car that's broke down on the side of the road, I turned around, and here's where the story starts. I pulled up and introduced myself and asked the man his name. It turns out he shares the same first name as me, uh, the writer. What was wrong? And I asked him how I could help. This man, I'd later find out, was on his way back from the VA from a routine checkup. His car had overheated, and he had very little antifreeze. I told him I would run to the auto store and get some and be right back. At that point, he told me he didn't have any money on him. And he handed me an empty bleach bottle and said, please, just get some water. I went ahead and got antifreeze. I went back and filled it up. He was so thankful. He insisted that he pay me back. I told him many times, sir, I am blessed beyond what I could ever imagine. But he would not take no for an answer. So I gave him my business card, not expecting anything, as I have done that many times, and you never hear anything back, uh, which is fine in my heart because I love to give. Now, this is where I truly believe God is working through me. We, that's, that's cool, too. <laughs> All right. This is where I truly believe God is working through me. We have this conversation many times here at my office, and almost everyone does not believe in stopping and giving handouts. They think that people just take your money and do something else with it. I can honestly say I'm sure most of the time that's true. But once you give, it's your heart that does the giving, and what the person does with it is up to them. This is often how it goes in Christianity. You try to do the right thing, help a veteran on the side of the road. Everyone tells you, you're a fool, They just take your money and do something else with it. 
This can even happen to you in the church. Now, back when our church used to meet over there at the B&B 16 theaters on Douglas, I was just a school teacher. But when Dan would go on vacation or have a week off, sometimes I would get to preach. So I had preached a Sunday, and uh, the theater over there, remember, has stadium seating. So you come down right to where we would be preaching to go out. So sometimes I'd go down, stand at the bottom of those stairs, and, and shake hands with people. And so I, I stood there, and I saw a young man coming toward me. And uh, he was about my age, but I didn't know his name. So I did what you're supposed to do. I said, hi, my name is Garrett. How long have you been coming here to Lakeland? And he just looked at me. He said, we've met before. I said, oh, I'm sorry. I have forgotten your name. What did you say it was? He goes, you know my name. I said, I am so sorry. I'm a school teacher, so I got all those kids. There's a couple hundred people in here. Sometimes my name bank just gets fried. I, I'm sorry. Could, just tell me your first name again. He shook his head in disgust and walked out of the movie theater. Yeah, that's how it goes. You're supposed to be hospitable. We tell everybody, oh, introduce yourselves. If you forget, everybody understands. Uh-huh. <laughs> Until they bite your face off. So, no. That's not always how it goes. Here's a story from far away from here. Um, I have an acquaintance who's, a, who's on staff at a large church. Now, he is the youth guy. And like a lot of youth guys, he drives a clunker car, right? Youth guys are so filled with zeal for the Lord, they try to live as simply as they can in order to give away as much as they can to God's work. So that's what he's doing, driving his clunker car. Well, one day, his boss, the pastor of the church, pulls him aside and says, Hey, I want to talk to you about that car. He said, this is not a clunker car church. This is a Lexus church. So you need to go out and upgrade that car. Happens in the corporate world too. I have a, a, a friend, he's a Christian executive in a secular company. And uh, he's a department head. So he was given a sum of money at the end of the year to uh, create raises for himself, for his staff, spruce up their operating budget. Well, he felt like I am being paid more than I ever dreamed in my life I would ever be paid. So I'm just going to take all of this. I'm going to share it amongst the staff and give all them raises because they have done a great job this year. So that's what he did. Uh, a couple weeks later, his boss called him in. He said, yeah, I noticed you didn't give yourself a raise, but you did to your staff. He said, yes. He said, this company compensates me so well. I'm so grateful, and I'm so grateful for what my team did. And so I just want to, to share that with them for a job well done. His boss said, yeah, well, you're making the other executives look bad because they're all giving themselves big raises and, and not their staff. So... Uh, yeah, my friend said, well, I, I don't want to do it that way. He goes, I thought you'd say that. That's why the decision's being taken out of your hands. You're getting a big raise. Your staff is not. That's the end of the story. We're told we're supposed to live generously, live humbly, share what we have, reward those who work hard. But the boss won't let you. And sometimes the boss is your pastor. Sometimes this happens even in our own families. Uh, Ashley and I were doing premarital once with a couple, and uh, we were talk talking about love languages, you know, how different ways you say I love you with your actions. We said sometimes you get in trouble, though, because your spouse has a different love language than you, and they don't understand what you're doing. 
And uh, this guy goes, yeah, I know. He was a police officer. He said, well, I get up before my wife and, um, and our house, you come out of the bedroom down a long flight of stairs right to the front door. As a police officer, I know stairs in the dark can be dangerous. So I, I try to leave the entryway light on for her in the morning. I also know as a police officer, if somebody had broken in or there's glass or even a person, you do not want to walk into a dark entryway. So I leave the light on for her. Ashley and I look over. This gal's eyes are welling up with tears. We said, that's such a sweet story. Why does that make you cry? She said, because I just screamed at him this morning. Why are you so lazy? Why are you so forgetful? Why can't you just turn off the light when you go to work? Why do you leave that for me to do? She, she didn't know what he was doing. That's the way it goes in Christianity sometimes. You try to do something good, and you get smacked for it. What should you do? Our passage today from Acts chapter 5, the church finds itself in that same situation. In Acts chapter 5, Jesus has been crucified uh, only a few months ago. But disciples believe he has risen again, that he was the Messiah. So now they are performing miracles and people are becoming followers of this new way in Jesus Christ. They are forming a church and this church is meeting right outside the temple in Jerusalem. Now, let's think about how this is going to go for a moment. Let's imagine some people in here got real excited about something, decided they were going to form a new church. Amen. And they decided as the meeting place for their new church that they would meet in our airlock, right out there between the two doors as you come into the lobby. Imagine how we'd feel, especially if that church was filled with miracles and excitement, and we didn't have any of that. We can see how this is probably going to go. Verse 17. The high priests and his officials, who were Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. They are just trying to proclaim the Messiah that everyone has supposedly been waiting for centuries, that he has come, he has risen indeed, and they get arrested for it. If you read the book of Acts, this is the second time they've been arrested in just a few weeks. What should they do? Should they go to a new town, something not so religiously divisive as Jerusalem? Should they maybe move their meeting to a secret location, stop meeting out in the temple lobby right under their nose? Well, God has an idea what they should do. Verse 19, but an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail and brought them out. Then he told them, go to the temple and give the people this message of life. So at daybreak, the apostles entered the temple as they were told and immediately began teaching. That's the divinely ordained plan? Oh, just go right back where you were yesterday and do it again. That's brilliant. That's what an angel came to say. When you get arrested, go right back where you were and do the same thing again. Because our God is greater and he cannot be defeated by any human effort. Can't wait to see how this turns out. Verse 21. When the high priest and his officials arrived, they convened the high council, the full assembly of the elders of Israel. Then they sent for the apostles to be brought from the jail for trial. But when the temple guards went to the jail, the men were gone. So they returned to the council and reported. The jail was securely locked. The, the guards, with guards standing outside, but when we opened the gates, no one was there. 
When the captain of the temple guard and the leading priest heard this, they were perplexed, wondering where it would all end. Where's this going to go, they're thinking. Because you know what they have to be thinking now. We have an inside job. We now have Christians inside the temple guard somewhere. Who else could walk into a secure prison right past the guards, open the gate, let the prisoners out, walk them back out of the prison to freedom without a jailbreak? Who else could do that but someone on the inside? So now they're wondering, where is this all going to end? And then this happens, verse 25. Someone arrived with startling news. Uh, The men you put in jail are standing in the temple teaching the people, which may be just a few yards to one block from where they were meeting. (laughs) The captain went with his temple guards and arrested the apostles, but without violence, for they were afraid the people would stone them. Now they're in a real mess. Now they've lost so much ground, they're afraid that if they just, these guys are jailbreakers, but they're afraid if they just throw them on the ground and cuff them, that the crowd is going to attack them. Remember that stoning in their culture was the penalty for a blasphemy, for speaking or acting against the work of God. So now they've lost so much face publicly that they feel like if we throw these guys on the pavement and arrest them, the crowd will interpret that as an attack on God himself. Fortunately for them, the apostles pass on starting a riot. They just let themselves be arrested and they go along peacefully. Verse 27. Then they brought the apostles before the high council where the high priest confronted them. Didn't we tell you never again to teach in this man's name, he demanded. Instead... You have filled all Jerusalem with your teaching about him. You want to make us responsible for his death. But Peter and the apostles replied, We must obey God rather than any human authority. The priests have worked so hard to silence this Jesus movement. They did it in a way that they could blame Rome and and not themselves, they thought. Remember, they took Jesus to Pontius Pilate and said, crucify this guy. And Pilate says, I don't even understand what he's done. You're just talking a bunch of religious mumbo jumbo. They threatened to start a riot. Pilate washes his hands and says, fine, kill him. I don't really care, but I don't know what's going on. And none of it worked. This whole thing's now blowing up in their faces. This movement is not shrinking. It's growing. It's growing right out there outside the temple. Public sentiment is not with them. It's turning against them. The police are about to be stoned if they treat them too badly. The sheep are not scattering, even though they struck the shepherd and hanged him on a cross. These men went right back to where they were and did it again because they believe that their God is greater And cannot be defeated by any human effort. We can't obey you, Peter says. We have to obey the authority of God. And so, even though it might offend someone, I'm still going to introduce myself to people I don't know. Even if I think I've forgotten their first name. Because hospitality is the right thing to do. And our God is greater than crabby people. If your employer leans on you to be less generous 
to drive a better car because this is a Lexus church. By the way, we're having a congregational meeting today, our big one of the year, to vote against that type of attitude. Please show up. But if that's the way your boss wants to play, it's fine. You have to do what the boss says, right? They're the boss. But the next opportunity you have to be generous, take it. Because generosity is the right thing to do. I know a man once who did this. He served on the uh, Chamber of Commerce. Now, don't think badly of our current Chamber of Commerce members. This story is very old. All of our current chamber were children when this happened. But at that time, the Chamber of Commerce had a secretary whom they employed to do secretarial work of the chamber. And every year, the board would discuss her salary. Well, the board discussed her salary and decided she's paid enough. She doesn't need a raise. And this man I knew, this Christian businessman, said, now, wait a minute, I think she's worth that. She's working hard. The city's doing good things. They said, hey, we've already voted. She's not getting a raise. And this man, this Christian businessman, says, well, that's too bad because I bet at the end of this week when my company offers her a job as a secretary for what she's worth, I bet she'll take it. What do you know? The chamber decided to reopen the question, revote, and the gal got a raise. Because our God is greater, and he cannot be defeated by any human effort. So I saw Kathy Gutierrez wandering around here earlier. Are you in the room still, Kathy? You've gone on to other things. Okay, she's serving somewhere. But uh, you know, she sent these containers of medical supplies to Liberia. I don't know if you guys were there for the first one, but it was a nightmare. They made her unpack and recount and catalog everything in that down to how many Q-tips are you sending? Like four times. Everything had to come out. It was, and this was our government. It was like she was trying to commit a crime. Now, I get a little snarky when this stuff happens because I'm like, Hmm, containers full of human trafficking victims and drugs come into this country every day and somehow slip past this. But we can't send medical supplies out? That's some shenanigans. Oh, I was getting really hot. She told me, be quiet. She had it under control. (laughs) So she sent the container. And she sent another and another and another. She's up to six containers sent over there now. Because she believes our God is greater and cannot be defeated by any bureaucrat. So your spouse didn't receive your attempt to do good for them. Go back today to your house and do more good. Do something else kind. Either you're going to wear your spouse down with your kindness, or, I'm probably talking to guys, you're going to get better at communicating about what it is you're doing. So when you leave the light on and you get yelled at, don't mope. Oh, I tried to do something nice. I'm just going to go watch football. Don't, guys, just tell her about it. Billy Joel, right? Tell her about it. All right. So <laughs> tell her what you were trying to do. Communicate your heart. I was, I was trying to keep you safe. And, and you know, let her do her crying and all the making up at your house instead of in my office. Right? Communicate. Communicate your love in a love language she will understand. Okay, so you try to help a stranded vet on the side of the road and everyone says you're a fool. Um, Let's pick this story back up. So this is where I truly believe God was working through me, says the writer. We have this conversation many times here at my office. Almost everyone does not believe in stopping and giving handouts. They think they just take your money and do something else with it. I can honestly say I'm sure that most of the time that's true. But once you give, it's your heart that does the giving. What the person does with it is up to them. Well, today I'm sitting in my office and I hear an older voice in the lobby ask if I am in. I was on the phone, so someone else came back and told me I had a visitor. 
Well, to my surprise, when I walked out in the office, there was this older gentleman, this veteran I had helped last week. He handed me $20, which I accepted because I knew he wanted to return the blessing. Then I noticed almost the whole office watching what's going on. He told me he thanked God that I stopped and helped that day and would be forever grateful. If he thanked me once, he thanked me 10 times. I'm so glad I listened to God's voice that day. First, to help someone in need. And second, that the people I work with can see God's work in action. Even though no one else here asked me anything about this after he left, I know they're all thinking something about it. Our God is greater. Go back out to the side of the road and hear his voice and help the next person. So I was trying to share Christ with a witch in the computer lab. Next day, locked out for religiously inflammatory speech, told to go see the dean of students. Well, I, when I asked the gal, did you turn me in? She said, no. I said, I have to go see the dean. She goes, well, can I go? I said, well, sure, why not? So she goes with me. Well, I think when we walked in, he thought I was bringing my girlfriend or something for moral support. So the dean's like, now who's this? She goes, well, actually, I'm the person that was having the argument with him. He goes, oh, really? And he rocks back in his chair. And she proceeds to say, I don't believe much of anything Garrett has to say about religion, but I find his views interesting. And then she says, in fact, this free exchange of ideas, being exposed to people who believe things different than I believe, is exactly the reason I chose to come to a religious, private, liberal arts college. Which is only like the best thing you can ever say to a liberal arts dean. And I just sat there silently, not having to say a word in my defense, just like it says in the Gospel of Luke, and just praying, God bless this witch. <laughs> All charges were dropped. The next year, I was getting ready to graduate, and so I went to the coven, and I said, I've never gotten to share with you the full story of what I believe Christ has done for us. I wondered if you would all come with me to Applebee's. It'd be my treat. And I, I'd like to share with you what I believe Jesus has done in my life. And the head of the coven, now you have to be careful. Covens don't have a head, which is hate hierarchical stuff. But So we'll just say the most influential member of the coven. She says, okay, girls, uh, Garrett has let us come to his Bible study. He's read all the books on witchcraft we gave to him. He's never really pushed this at us. I think we could give him this one hearing. And so there I sat at Applebee's, surrounded by a coven of witches, sharing uh, about the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his forgiveness of sin and God's grace for us and the hope of eternal life. And when I got done, nobody converted. <laughs> Nobody prayed the prayer and nobody got baptized. But one of them did say, thank you for sharing that that way. She said, I can say this. If I do ever end up before your God and it is all just as you have described, she said, I won't be able to say that no one ever shared this news about Jesus with me in a way that I couldn't understand or that wasn't kind. I still pray for those gals every once in a while. I hope somewhere along the way in their life, some other brother or sister in Christ took that ball and ran with it. 
shared something with them because I believe God loves those girls. A lot of them were raised Christian. They just got fed up somewhere along the way. And I pray someone shared with them in a way that they could follow the Son and find the Father and His love for them. So my advice is if you get nabbed by the academic dean for sharing your faith, just, just go back and do it again next week. Is this an ironclad rule when you get in trouble for doing something good, just do it again? No. I think we all know by now Christianity has very few ironclad rules, right? I mean, Peter and Paul didn't always get rescued from prison by angels, did they? I think most of this New Testament was written by Paul as he rotted in prison. Sometimes in the book of Acts, which we're studying, Paul would flee from a city if things got too hot and he wanted to avoid going to jail. Even Jesus himself in the Gospel of Mark keeps his identity as the Messiah a secret until the end of the book because he just doesn't feel like the time is right to share that profound truth about himself. But now, alongside those stories, you also have this story, Acts chapter 5, that says, pray to the Lord when you're getting the smackdown for trying to do good and serving him. He might just tell you to go right back where you were the next day and do it again. Because our God is greater. And we have only one authority to obey. Our Father in heaven. He cannot be defeated by any human effort, you know. Glory to God, whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we could ask or imagine. Glory to him from generation to generation in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Introduce yourself to someone new. Congregational meeting. Prayer for healing. Go in peace.